0: This is Marching In, a brand new Southampton FC podcast hosted by me, Luke Innes, and Sam Apperton. Music is from the immensely talented Lawrence Norton. We would really appreciate a follow on Spotify and on Twitter, where you can find us at Marching In Pod. Welcome listeners to episode eight of the Marching In pod. It is Monday, the 8th of November, and we are recording after Saints have recorded back-to-back wins. So that is a cause for celebration, Sam. And also, another cause for celebration. It's your birthday tomorrow. Before I forget, I'm going to wish you a happy birthday, Sam. So happy birthday for tomorrow, mate. Thanks
1: very much. I mean... What, what, what more of a present I wanted than two than back-to-back Premier League wins.
0: Exactly, exactly. It was a former Saints, uh, well, favourite of yours, former Saints' birthday today. Do you know who that was?
1: Morgan Schneiderlin.
0: It was, mate, it was. Yeah. yeah, must be the same star sign. What are you? Scorpio.
1: Scorpio. Scorpio. Sting in the tail was an audience. Sting in, the in
0: the tail, pain. hey, Good one, good one, good one, Sammy. Well, uh, yeah, pleasure to be talking after back-to-back wins. It's the second time this year that we've done back-to-back wins in the league. So, yeah, it's it's not a a frequent occurrence, we'll say that. Um, We're going to jump straight into it. We're going to start with the Villa game, fresh from Friday night. Uh, I think we joked on our last pod that autumnal Friday nights under the lights at St. Mary's don't always go uh, as we'd want, but this one did. Samuel... Great to, uh, yeah, I guess, see it out. But what were your thoughts on this?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, uh, I, I, we, we'll get to the Watford game later, obviously. they are both always seemed like carbon copies of each other, really. I mean, the first half, we, we were so quick out of blocks. Brilliant goal from Armstrong. And then we sort of um, took off a gas a bit in the second half. But no, the, I mean, the, the first half was really, really, really positive. We were first every single ball, I thought. We were we were just sharper than Villa. I know they've got players out, but I mean, every time we win, I'm just, i just always end up just hearing about how many how many players your team's got out rather than rather than how well we played. So I think it's worth giving the players a bit of credit for them. And, uh, Yeah, we just moved we as that and the word go, and as that was reflected massively in the in the goal, and it was it was led by Will were in the ball back in midfield. I mean, quite a. Ain't mostly aimless hike forward, but uh, it worked well. And Adams won the ball. I think it was think it was Twan Zavy. and yeah, incredible finish by Armstrong. Absolutely delighted for him. It was a, a sort of a goal you what I've watched of him so far. You sort of can't expect from him a very sharp, quick finish. That I mean, the keeper mm. doesn't really get enough time to do anything about. Really, yeah, it was a. Uh, it was a brilliant start to the game. Really good atmosphere on Friday night. I think it's probably helped by the, the summer uh, transfer dealings between the clubs. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, it, was a good, it was a good night.
0: Yeah, it was, and I think there's quite a lot to unpack from the game, given what's happened since as well with with Villa and the situation there. Uh, but no, I thought we were I thought we were excellent first half. I think in terms of kind of knitting together attacks and looking threatening, it was as good as the Watford game, first half. I think we exploited the kind of lack of cover that Matty Cash was getting on that right-hand side and KWP seemed to get in time and time again. And it felt kind of inevitable that we would be the team to score the second goal, even though we maybe didn't create that kind of many clear-cut openings. I think the Armstrong, Stuart Armstrong miss (laughs) springs to mind as like I don't quite know what's happened there. He sort of seems to be walking back into position with quite like a blasé look on his face when he's just literally skied it from about six yards out. Uh, but yeah, I thought again, first half we were we were really good um, and and did a lot to probably be more than the one goal in front. And naturally, you know, I think we're probably a. Similar ish level to a club like Aston, but there will be ebbs and flows in those sort of games where you have to withstand a decent amount of pressure, which we did, I thought, in the first five, ten minutes of that second half. And it did subside somewhat when Ralph switched things up.
1: Yeah, which is a testament to Ralph, really, that the fact that a few times this season he's sort of seemed it, we've been critical. I was in game manager over the last few years, but um, yeah, it's been a couple of times this season where he's seen a pattern in the game or seen something changing tactically and thinking, right, rather than wait to see what's going to happen, I'm going to do something about it now. And he obviously brought Armstrong, Stuart Armstrong, off and brought on DeAncho. And from them, really, I mean, I mean, people will be like, oh, Villa, I heard Dean Smith saying the Villa were the better team in the second half, but I think, for the, other than like you said, the first five, ten minutes, didn't, did they really do anything? I mean, I mean, McCarthy had one save to make in the whole game, which was that long-range effort for El Ghazi. Yeah. Who, another person I'm sure will get on to very shortly.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I I was thinking, right, kind of the, the big talking points from the game. El Ghazi will certainly be one, but you're completely right. I don't think that there's kind of cause for, for major concern off the back of that second half. I think if you reflect now, knowing that we won, I think it would be a lot more comfortable watching that second half than in game thinking, shit, are we going to kind of let this slip, given how many times we do seem to do that. But actually, you know, I'm not saying that Leancho was incredible once he came on, but the formation switch and the rest of us as kind of a unit seem to be a lot more, more solid. And I think also... A team can kind of look like they're in the ascendancy, which no doubt Villa were early second half, by putting quite a lot of balls in the box, which don't really create too many threatening openings. In that, I felt like we just dealt with quite a lot of crosses, which actually is probably perfect for a back three of Benrek, Lianco and Salisu to deal with. So, yeah, I kind of think that actually we saw that second half out pretty well.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think and also I, remember, I think when we changed shape. I think the start of the second half, that target was getting forward a fair bit. Like you say, put a few crosses in. As soon as Livermento sort of played a bit a bit further up, I thought he sort of pushed target a bit further back and he was wasn't able to <coughs> attack quite as much. But yeah, it was definitely a um a positive change. And uh I mean like I said, Dean Smith again said that they were the better team second half. We, we had the best opportunity with Adams' header, which was well saved by Martinez. And yeah, it, I always think to myself, if I was watching a game, say, that I was watching that game at home on Friday night, and it was uh, the Leeds against Aston Villa, and Leeds played like we did, I I would just think I was a routine win for Leeds. But because it's Saints, and I'm, I'm invested in it, <laughs> and I know I was Saints alive, I just think, no, that was really shaky that second half. But I don't think I say if I Probably wouldn't think it was.
0: Yeah, no, agreed. You, you mentioned his name in terms of forcing probably the only save of McCarthy in, in El Ghazi. How is he still on the pitch?
1: Yeah, I mean, because I, I sit in the normal men, so I didn't see. I didn't really see the dive as it happened. But I mean, it's just typical, isn't it? Of referees. I mean, I think I reckon you're going to get. I mean, I don't know exactly how many referees there are on the Premier League list at the moment, but. I reckon I get eighty percent of them. If a player a yellow card makes that challenge, wouldn't wouldn't give me a yellow, not a second yellow card, just because of just because they're on a yellow card basically, which is which is ridiculous. Mm. Then I haven't seen the dive back since I've been home. It's just, I mean, it's just meant, it's just mad that you didn't get a yellow card yeah. right as well. It's yeah. so blatant, but uh, it, 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 that would just completely change the pat- pattern of the game. The, I mean, the second half, I mean obviously, obviously it is saying to me there's the tendency to sort of let a team who's got 10 men back into a game but you'd think it would just be a, a breeze to the finish and sort of manage the game well and not be under any pressure at all especially with guardza he probably causing liverment a little bit of problems down down the left down down our down our right hand side but um yeah i mean it's just it's just baffling but also not that surprising
0: yeah it was baffling so he gets booked for the challenge and then there's another challenge not that long after that which again I think you know I've seen a bit of chat on Twitter and the commentators at the time were talking about it in the sense of god he's lucky there (laughs) and then to compound that with the dive did seem a little mental that he was still on the pitch but yeah, he's also quite a threatening sort of player, I I find. I don't like sort of playing against him. He always seems quite dangerous, even though his end product might not be great. But I quite rate him as an attacking player. But yeah, very frustrating for him to to still be there. Um, Mate, you know how much a, of a Shea Adams fan I am. And I, I jotted it down in terms of some pre-pod notes. I do just want to call him out. And I know we're going to talk about Watford in a sec. But I think reflecting on the game, Armstrong yeah. will get the headlines for what was a hell of a strike, but I thought Adams was excellent on on Friday night. He did so much uh, in terms of defensive work, in terms of carrying the ball out of tricky areas, bringing us up the pitch, playing the right pass. Um, Yeah, I don't know what you thought of his performance, but as a moment late on, it's probably kind of mid to late second half, uh, I think, or is it late in the first half? Anyway, he basically is the last man back at one point, defending our, our back post. And I just thought he um, yeah, he had a really, really good game. And it's kind of interesting now because we've got, you know, Broger came on on Friday night. We've got genuine competition in those striking positions. And I think three very good options and, and probably that partnership now of Adams and Armstrong, as silly as this is to say, given they've only kind of done this two games off the back of Broger's back-to-back goals. But they're probably set now, aren't they?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not too sure. I mean, the horses, of the course, and everything will come into play. I'm sure with Ralph, but the way they played them together the last two games have been very impressive, and it's just it's just a nice problem to have. The fact that I mean, I'm not going to say that we've got three in-form strikers because they've only scored four goals between them but,
0: <laughs> That'd be a in stretch. the league,
1: but it's for it's got so we have got three strikers who look like they're going to carry a goal threat and also link up well together, especially Armstrong and Adams in the last two games. I mean we'll touch on Watford in a bit, but um, I thought they just linked up really well in both games. And uh, yeah, it's, it, it was really good to see because obviously it's been a bit of worry, isn't it? Since things in the summer, I mean, we're never going to get a straight swap with Danny Ings because we, we just can't afford it. But the fact we've managed to get Adams is obviously already there. He was, he was incumbent, but um, you bring in Armstrong for 15 million pounds and then you, Brozier in on loan, and it's three really good options to have. And also, Reuben's done done a bit of a job as a, as a striker as well, He's unfortunately missing on Friday. But yeah, it was uh, no, really positive to see him see him link up so well.
0: No, and I think look, I, I don't think you ever want to celebrate someone getting injured in, in the sense of things missing that game through injury. But it does feel pretty bloody sweet for yeah. the sort of narrative to uh, yeah encapsulate that game is that Ings misses through injury which again I think we you know go back seven or eight pods ago when we first started talking about this how injury prone he was as a striker when he literally just gone you could kind of see that happening and he'll probably pick up you know multiple more knocks throughout the season unfortunately because he's just the record that he has for his replacement number nine to get the winner what a winner (laughs) in a game that then you know means that Smith is moved on. Like, there's a lot of kind of narrative here that feels quite nice as a Saints fan.
1: Yeah, I also think, like, atmosphere wise of the game, as good as it, like, the atmosphere was really good on Friday night, but it was positive towards the team. Whereas, I think if England was playing, it might have been a bit more just swayed at him, rather. Yeah, than interesting. He would have been a bit more of a distraction. So, I mean, because I think that just happens all the time. If we play Liverpool, it happens numerous times. I mean, I, mean, I doubt Virgil van Dyke gives, gives a shit. <laughs> Getting get, get booed, get booed a bit when he's, uh, when he's left right and centre. So I mean, think it's, it's it's definitely helped the atmosphere. I think to be a lot more positive towards the team. that Williams wasn't playing. I know there was a few chances about him, but on the whole, it was a it was a really good atmosphere on Friday night.
0: Yeah, you were, I guess, kind of given that you were there and and felt that atmosphere. Do you feel like the the tide is turning a little bit towards? Ralph as well.
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, we we've obviously done our bits over the last couple of months about how how he'll um, what 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 the future holds for him in terms of staying with us, and also we gave our points. I think we've already passed our points, ideal points total for those five games. With one more Mate,
0: Yeah, we have. We have. What have we done? We've done ten ten from twelve, haven't we?
1: Ten from twelve. Yeah. So. Yeah, it just, I mean, I, I had to shoot off quite close. I mean, I was literally officer as a whistle went on Friday, so I didn't really see that post maps and then in terms of my about the northern end. But um, yeah, just it does all seem quite positive. I did hear someone moaning with the answer coming from for Armstrong saying, Why are we um, bring on a defender for midfield for Armstrong? I was thinking, Well, we are winning, so if we're losing, I'll be a bit more worried. Right. No, that but, was you
0: listening, yeah. Less stupid yeah, comments yeah. like that next time, please. No, uh, no, I think uh, I think you're right. Look, we he's managing the games well. I also think some of his comments post game about look, we're not going to get overly excited if we get three points. We're not going to be so sort of defeatist if we lose a game or don't win, in the sense that actually, and again, we covered this extensively in our previous pod about our performance levels across the season for a club like ours with the net spend we've got promoting what is quite a youthful side we're in a good spot like performances have been okay like it's all right to be a bit more measured in our reaction to to um, you know winning or losing um a final point to just kind of put a bow around the the villa game i just wanted to call out our substitutions not in the sense of you know ralph tweaking the structure but just the personnel that came on it was noticeable how much weaker Villa got when they brought on their substitutes to when we made ours. And actually, you know, I know they've got a few injury problems, etc. But I think from the perspective of our squad and now having a bit more faith in the likes of, you know, Diallo, for instance, I think maybe start of this season or end of last, if we were bring on Ibrahim and Diallo, you'd be like, okay, they really know exactly what we're going to get from a player like that. But I just felt kind of quite, safe and secure knowing that we're bringing on Diallo now and similar with Broger, knowing what we're going to get from these players or at least being quite excited about the thought that this could improve the 11 that we've got there in terms of those substitutes and I think the three subs that Villa made were Archer... I'm not going to attempt to pronounce the other youngster's name they brought on. Chukwamaker, I think I'll go with. Um, but highly rated so. young, young, young player. But and then Keenan Davis, it's like fucking hell, like that that's kind of struggle city for Villa, whereas actually we sort of grew stronger, whereas they diminished with those subs.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's almost a complete flip, flip reversal of how we were last season, where I mean, some of the it's just testament to how much depth we got in the squad now that we're bringing on players. You can definitely make an impact in the game. And I mean, I was pretty worried when I first saw the handship at Sheffield United, but in the two games I've seen him, well, one and a half games I've seen him since, he just looks—he looks a lot more, um, a lot more suited to Premier League football, English football. And, um, yeah, he's also he's very he's a very passionate guy. He's just definitely a. Went his heart on his sleeve during the game. I, remember, I think he um, ushered the ball out of play on Friday night. I think it was just in front of Ollie Watkins. He was sort of giving it the big into the moment. So, yeah, he's, he's definitely a character. And uh, if he keeps playing like that, then we're definitely going to enjoy him.
0: You know what? And I think you can be a limited footballer. I'm not saying that Leancho is, but you do things like that. It does, it does help a little bit with adjusting to a new life. And I think from bits I've seen on social media, he seems to be slotting in very nicely. Um, the sort of odd gorilla gifts aside, I think, uh, yeah, he's a, he's had a pretty good start to, to life at Saints. Um, yeah, I think I saw a clip of when we beat Liverpool. Um, yeah, Ralph, Ralph falling to his knees, the infamous night. And the team that we finished that game with, like, you know, Dan and Lundalu, who is just about starting for Lincoln in League One at the moment. You know, Jan-Valerie, right wing, I think we finished that game with. Like, We we have to remind ourselves what what kind of hand we were dealt at the start of this year compared to where we are now. And actually, you know, if we can keep the core of this squad fit, then hopefully there'll be many more nights like Friday night when actually we're competing and, you know, I guess, handing out a sort of defeat to a team around us or a team that was probably expected to kick on with the investment that they've had as well. So, yeah, I think all in all, um, very pleasing victory. We will move on to the Watford game. You were at Vicarage Road, Sam. I know we're kind of going back a little way here, if you can tap into your, your memory bank for this one. What were your thoughts,
1: uh, very similar to the Villa game, it was, um, I mean, we were very, we were almost on it from the first, from the first minute again, it was like, I think, I think it was Craig Cathcart and then he scored an own goal in the first minute, because we were, yeah. we put Watford under so much pressure. But no, it was very, I mean, the first half should have been, we should have been 4-0 up at half time, it was as simple as that, really. I mean, Adams, Adams' goal was brilliant, but then it's sort of, sort, of, sort of almost typical Shea Adams' that, <laughs> at this time at Southampton he scored so many was it three or four worldies he's scored now since he's been there against what well, City, Shepherds United and, and against Watford. And then he goes and misses that header from four or five yards out. Just just sort of sums up his finishing the <laughs> It's a that.
0: lovely ball from
1: Armstrong though, was not it? It was, yeah. Uh, Armstrong, I mean he was he was very much trying his snap very quick snap shots and uh would say probably the head at the back post in the first half would be his best chance. Other than that, he just came very close. A couple of deflected wide.
0: Yeah, he whipped that one that sort of looked actually like it could have been in because Foster didn't move. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think he had a total of six shots in the Watford game. Maybe four, four on target as well.
1: Yeah, and then the second half begins. And I mean, well, actually before the first half, I mean, I don't... I've heard what McCarthy get a lot of say, say I've got a lot of praise about his saving in the game from Ashley Fletcher but i to sort of even it up and say how much I wonder how much scrutiny you would have got if um, that uh, little one of the, the near post got in that Walker Peters blocked on the line yeah. I wonder how much that I wonder how much blame would have been given to him there because I think it did a great one but Luckily Walker Peters was there to clean clear, clear it off the line of the skin of our teeth.
0: Yeah, the skin of his ass.
1: The skin of his arse, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um they got to half time one nil. The second half was a bit it was very attritional. I mean, I always thought, oh, if we get these <laughs> breakaway here, there's a couple of there's a couple of more goals in it for us, but we just never really had it. Armstrong yeah. had one Armstrong had one that was deflected wide again. And another than that, <clears throat> excuse me. There was um, yeah. I think I think only that Fletcher shot really. Like, I remember that it was a really good save from McCarthy near the end. But no, it was um a good win, but it should have been by more again. But after after the event, it's easy to say that. But it's just very, it was just very nice to pick up that first away win. I think what, since March.
0: Yes. Which was was that at Bramall Lane?
1: It was yeah. Yeah, Lane, yeah,
0: yeah. I think. So again, looking back on our kind of last back-to-back wins were against Palace, which I think was a midweek game. Then we beat Fulham, and it reminded oh, me of the the record that you spoke about in terms of our record against teams still in the division. Uh, so yeah, a couple of our Premier League wins this see well this year. Sorry, have been against teams that are no longer in the division. Uh, but yeah, no, very sweet victory. And I thought first half we were we looked really good and should have been kind of more than one up. I would actually say that couple of moments that sort of felt like they could have led to that Fletcher chance sort of happened in that second half which showed for me a little bit of a lack of control and I thought you know for all of our good play in the first half there probably wasn't as much control or enough bite in terms of getting to the ball first then dictating play as there was against Villa that's probably how I I saw the game but like we we kind of came through it, and again McCarthy's save was excellent. But I think plaudits kind of go to our most of our our defensive line. I thought Salisu was was very good, um, and we didn't comment on on him in terms of the the Villa game. I thought first up he looked a bit shaky at times and sort of played the ball the ball blindly back to McCarthy. I don't know if you remember those moments, but he's just turning out to be just a hell of a little player that we've got on our hands. Like just, you know, doing the right thing, I think he even picked up a booking on Friday night and he, he made a couple of challenges that were maybe on the, on the edge against Watford as well when they were in transition with Sarr and others that were just perfect, like exactly what we needed in those moments, quite shrewd centre-back play. And there's been a lot, I think, about how good he was against Watford in terms of, Watford fans as well, talking about, you know, who is this guy? He's basically pocketing something. I've of,
1: seen seen that video.
0: Seen the it's, video, it's quite, yeah, it's quite yeah.
1: Nice, yeah.
0: Yeah, it, it is quite nice. Someone's saying, who is he? Who is he? To have someone like that, that it feels like he's just very tough to play against. Like, you know, the likes of Josh King, Ismail Assar have had moments this season where they've yeah looked pretty decent. Um, you know, as Malasa is obviously a, a wonderful young attacking footballer, but Salisi was excellent in that game. Um, Adams' goal, probably not getting the credit it deserves. I know it's up for goal of the month and stuff, but I haven't. Yeah, I don't feel like it's quite been recognised as as good as his others. But it, just lovely goal, isn't it?
1: So I watched the goal of the month match the day last night, and it was. It's a very good goal, but it's sort of stuck in some on, like, the unbelievable. I think it was just Teedemans against Salo in the last month. They had two, two in there each. Both, both absolutely ridiculous yeah. points. But yeah, it was, a brilliant, it was a brilliant strike. Really, really classy finish. I mean, it was a bit weird from where, where we were. It feel like it was going wide, but no, it was a really, really good goal.
0: Just like under his feet to dig it out the way he did. It's just, it's just lovely. And actually, I don't know, I, I just felt like, There was just good link up throughout from him and Armstrong. I think Armstrong was actually trying to play the ball into Redmond, but Adams kind of recognises what's happening. And to control the ball very nicely as he did with his first touch and then do that was just, yeah, it was beautiful. (laughs) And I think we sort of maybe lacked a little bit of variety coming off the bench in that game. And I thought Broder again on Friday night to kind of contrast that lack of option I think without Redmond on Friday night, you know, he obviously played against Watford, but we, yeah, we, we sort of felt that a little bit where probably in that second half, we didn't control the game or really look as threatening as we, we could have done with other options coming off the bench. Um, But no back-to-back wins, one nil wins, one nil wins for Saints. It doesn't feel quite right, does it?
1: No, five, five clean sheets this season now as well. It's very, very positive. I mean, Back in the last season, our defence was nothing short of shambles at times, but it's been, I mean, we've also, I think we've looked at letting free at Everton, free at um, Chelsea, but other than that, it's been very, very, po- very very um, miserly our defence so far this season,
0: Yeah, which is
1: what what we were, whether we've been really, had a miserly defence probably since kuman left, which is a testament to, I mean, it's pretty much a new back forward we as well, so really, really positive.
0: Isn't the average age of that back four something like 22 point something as well? I saw. Like, yeah, I guess it depends if uh, I don't think KWP and Perrault are, are too different in age, but maybe it might differ who's playing fullback uh, on the left hand side. But, you know, to actually reflect on that, I know it's a sort of, you, you, you know, Ralph would say defensively, you defend as a team and, uh, yeah, and, uh, attack as a team. But actually, uh, there's a lot of uh, cause for positivity around that back line, given how young they are and given how good they've been. I think five clean sheets might be the third or fourth best clean sheet rate in the league right now as well. So, yeah, very decent. You were also, a few days earlier, I'm asking you to go further back now, Sam, uh, at Stamford Bridge. Any, anything to note? I mean, it seemed like a really good atmosphere again in the away end. Um, yeah, kind of frustrating to go out on pens, but I think, from what I've kind of seen and heard probably was fair on the reflection of it but we gave it a good go and uh, yeah I guess fair play to the team that we put
1: out Yeah it was a cracking I mean especially the last half hours so cracking's cut tight mm. probably end to end I mean I, I didn't think we were great first half but we gave the ball away quite a bit but no, second half we thought we were excellent and um, of course Chelsea loads of problems in mid I mean, that Leancho had a, the last minute that, that Kepa tipped over was just would been a brilliant moment for the for the fans. Yeah. There was that flurry.
0: From. There was that flurry of corners. Sorry to cut in. There was that flurry of corners, wasn't there? That that was one of. But I think there was another. Someone else has a header that is. Salisu. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah it, was, uh, it was. It was a shame we go out, but I sort of left the ground. I was like, yeah, it's a shame we're out, but I I I just never fancied. I when they got the penalties, it was obviously a shame. I mean, I'm not. It was a shame for a small but He came came on and looked very good show show shame, shame he missed that penalty. Also, that um, never really fancied Walcott when he stepped up either. It was quite nice to see Mason Mount miss because he <laughs> was just for the Pompey connection. That was good fun. It was a hell of a save from Forster. Yeah, it really was, wasn't it? But, um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was positive enough, but obviously it was a shame to go out.
0: Well, Sam, we've kind of rattled through all of our game reviews. We will take a very short break before moving into other news, Saints Chat, Ralph Rumours, all that nonsense. This podcast is supported by Peaberry Coffee, award-winning coffee based in Hampshire. Gerald and his team batch roast their coffee beans by hand, and the host of this podcast is a big fan. Check them out today at peaberrycoffee.co.uk. That's absolutely right. been buying Peaberry for around a year now and would never go back to anything else the current beans on rotation are the Colombian kind Finca El Mirador and for listeners of the pod we are going to be running some listener competitions where you can win a bag of beans a bag of Gerald's finest should we say um, but yeah big shout out to Gerald and all the work he's doing supplying coffee up and down the country now so yeah great to support a local business in, in Hampshire and stay tuned for more two bits of managerial news across the weekend and they're kind of linked to us in a way um we'll we'll talk about the ludicrous rumors that are floating around shortly but after yeah our our victory on Friday night Dean Smith was relieved of his duties should we say uh yeah did did this feel like a, a bit of a shock I think I was a bit surprised I know he's got sort of stock is quite high with with Villa fans because of what he did and, and being a you know a Villa supporter etc. How, how did you see this?
1: I mean, I guess it's easy to say nothing surprised you in know, football anymore because of, just, uh, sort of all, the, all the shock you've seen. But yeah, he's obviously been he's obviously he's a really popular manager. I know a couple of Villa fans who really who do, do like him, and um, he's done he's done wonders for him for years. he has been there, obviously getting promoted, getting almost established back in the league. Had a bit of a difficult summer. They lost the best player in the summer. They got 100 million pounds for him, but you still you're still losing your your captain, your best player. I think I think he should should we get a bit more leeway over that? Yeah. And then the transfers probably haven't worked out. Obviously, Ings has come in. He's scored, scored what, three or four goals, but he's obviously out injured at the moment. Leon Bailey's had a stop start Villa really career so far. Brindia was it's okay on Friday night. It didn't really make much of an impact. We just can't really on the system. And I mean, you think this time a month ago, you are talking about them winning at Old Trafford and all of a sudden the managers can sack sacked off, off the feet. Yeah. But they're probably just looking at the facts and thinking we should be the next, they're very, very rich the villa owners. They want to be in the next level. They obviously don't think these just want to take them there. We obviously, we've been in that situation before where a likeable just got promoted and, we want to move on to the next level, and we've done just that. So it's hard to argue with it. It's also a bit of a surprise.
0: Yeah, I've seen. I can't remember who made this point on on Twitter, but I think it's a point that we've probably made. You know, in conversations over the last few years as Saints fans, when you sell a player as good as Jack Grealish, and you then want to kind of spread that money across other options it can get quite messy and complicated in the sense that, you know, you of course can't spend that sort of money on a single player because those sort of players don't want to come to a Southampton or, you know, I'd probably say Villa are a bigger club than Saints or a Villa and then trying to fit them into a new system. And I think they've struggled with formations switching between a three and a four at the back, et cetera, under Dean Smith. But I think your summary is completely fair in the sense that, He probably isn't the sort of guy that is going to mean they kick on and and challenge for Europe. But timing, etc., probably makes sense actually after five defeats and potentially has been in the works for a wee while. As you say, those owners have ambitions which are beyond someone like a Dean Smith. Norwich got their first win of the season and Farker was also let go the same day. This... For me, how do I feel about this? I wasn't really that surprised. I think it kind of makes sense. Uh, they've been here before. They've gone, they've moved early, probably have same as Villa. Like, I think if teams actually want to sort of be proactive around this situation, find the right man to replace someone who, who hasn't done a bad job, Daniel Farker, for them, but they want to give themselves a chance of not kind of history repeating itself, seems to have made sense to move him on.
1: Yeah, I mean, people say, oh, yeah, they've set them off, they've won, but the decision was clearly made before they played Brentford. Mm. It was, uh, it was just a bit the of a thing surprising. is, and, and actually, yeah. sorry,
0: Sam, to jump in into that point. Oh. I, uh, like I, I rate that, in a sense. It's similar to, you know, uh, you touched on it, but we got a very good point at Stamford Bridge and Adkins was moved on. The you know t- yeah. two days on, I think it speaks to there is some sort of plan. And I know it, in football we can be quite reactive and, and focus on the outcomes or outcome bias in the way that we look at things. You know, you've you've won a game. Why the hell are they sacking them? But if there's a plan and you want to move that manager on, stick to it.
1: That's why I always hate when I hear oh a manager's got one game to save his job. Well, yeah. If he's in that situation, get rid of him. <laughs> There's yeah. a reason why he's in that <laughs> situation it's because he's not good enough. And if he wins, say his next games against Norwich and he wins that, he's going to Save his job. And what? Why? Is, why does that mean he should be a charge for the following the following week after that? Yeah,
0: exactly.
1: It was a. It was. I was almost a little bit surprised because I thought they'd stick with him because they just they got this model Norwich where um, they go up, they go down, they don't spend too much money, they. Um, They've got their sporting director, Stuart Weber, who's um, he, he's worked wonders for him there. But they're just, they're just very much in this limbo. So they're sort of in this Fulham, Bournemouth, uh, mm. Norwich, West Brom limbo, where they're not good enough for the Premier League and they're too good for the Championship. And with the financials that going to come with their relegations, they're going to keep getting this, these parachute payments and they're just going to keep have more money than the rest of the teams in the Championship and not have any, any, anywhere near as much money as the teams in the Premier League. So just It could end up just being a complete revolving door every every couple of years of the same teams as it stands. But I sort of commend them for thinking we don't want to settle for it. We don't want to settle for that. We want to try and stay up. We want to give us the best chance of staying up. And I think giving themselves the best chance to up is probably using Daniel Farker because it seemed like the Chelsea game, the 7 nil was the the straw that brought the camels back, almost.
0: Yeah, I think that's very fair, and we have Norwich coming up. I think I read some bits coming from the Athletic and others today that by the time that fixture comes around, the new manager should be appointed. Um, I'm also going to throw some shade at your employer for some ridiculous rumours, Sam, that have surfaced online <coughs> that uh, Norwich are targeting Ralph Hasenhüttl. What do you? Uh, what? Yeah, what, what have you got to make of that?
1: Well, I've seen them linked with both Norwich and Villa. I just, I just can't see it. To be honest. I mean, the Norwich ones, it's just—it's just ridiculous. It's not going to happen. I mean, I've seen—I've been burned in the past before. I, I, I was come out and said, "Oh yeah, we won't lose Cuba to Everton and like that," but this is a different kettle of fish. That—that that will categorically not happen. <laughs> I, I, I'm, the, I'm right, sorry. okay.
0: Because obviously, we're going to talk about both, aren't we? In terms of those links, the—the the Villa one. You sort of get those okay. They're an ambitious club. There might be something in that. The Norwich one is yeah, ludicrous. Sort of
1: a Koeman, Everton. Yeah, sort of, it, it, yeah,
0: it is a bit similar to that, but don't know. We're kind of. I feel like we're dealing. Look, neither of us know Ralph, but we're dealing with quite different personalities. I think different stages in their career, different <laughs> contexts in terms of. Really, Cooman had two seasons of success at Saints whereas that's certainly not been the case for Ralph Hasenhut and I think us kind of building that bond with him and him understanding the project and what we want to do with this this squad and and this club moving forward I feel like there's a bit too much there to to kind of let that go specifically mid-season knowing the sort of manager that that Hasenhut is but I don't know I don't know what your thoughts are on, on the Villa one Norwich one is laughable I just wanted to call it out because you know, as an employee of Sky Sports, uh, yeah, what are they doing producing such rubbish?
1: Uh, no, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Villa one, yeah. I mean, I think if Villa went balls well, out for for Ralph, I think there'd be a, there'd be a, um, a question to be asked. But I just can't see him being their first choice, and I can't see Ralph being. I look at it the same as Proud, so I can't see Ralph kicking up a fuss to go to Villa. Hmm. But who knows?
0: Yeah, fair. I think I saw somewhere today that his... the clause that was placed on his renewed contract... Is it for Norwich? Is... Say that again.
1: Yeah. Is, it, is it for Norwich? <laughs> yeah, it's...
0: Specifically that he's going... The Norfolk on. clause. Yeah, yeah, there's a specific Norfolk clause inserted. Uh, No, it's massive, um, which is kind of good. And it makes sense that we're being savvy around that because, you know, Ralph has like a clear, distinct playing style. He's from the school of managers that over the last three to four years is very much kind of in vogue. It's what clubs want. That's why he will continue to get linked with jobs. And that's why I think we've been smart around you know, one sticking with him and also putting a clause like that because you hope that if he ever does go, we get yeah remunerated in a good way for for that uh, rather than it kind of being a you know a negative payout where we've let him go etc. So there are many reasons why you you kind of really want Ralph to work out at Saints, and I I kind of agree with you. I don't think he's going to be kicking up a fuss to move on. Um, there have been. So uh, I, I wanted to talk to you about this. I don't want to spend ages on it. The Eddie Howe news to Newcastle. There's also been some renewed rumours around JWP moving on to Newcastle because you know he's on their watch list. I assume there are about 2,000 players on Newcastle's watch list right now. But Howe has finally uh, sort of moved. And I know there have been the, the sort of silly Howe to Saints rumours that have surfaced a bit over the last 18 to 24 months. He's got a new job. What's your opinion on this?
1: On that, on the Eddie Howe, on him going to Newcastle. All the yes. First links. Um, I think it's an interesting one. I think it's. Um, I, think it's a bit, I think it's an okay appointment for Newcastle. I mean, they they need to sort of build themselves up. Uh, they can't go straight in. I, I didn't. I didn't really buy the Emery thing. They. It's almost like they need to run. They need to walk, work, and run in this sort of situation. It's like when City got taken over by. um by the Abu Dhabi group, they yeah they brought in Mark Hughes, which obviously I you know we sort of ridiculed him for his time at Saints, but at that time he was a Blackburn and a pretty well-established Premier League manager. He moved them on, did did well with them. Moved on, they got Mancini in a few years later, it obviously led them to further success than Pellegrini, Pep, etc. And that's sort of the model Newcastle should be looking to to follow. I think really, we've got to have a good young. Uh, British coach, and then who's just saying the next? Who sort of get him into maybe maybe mid-table positions, maybe pushing for Europe, and then if they wanted to push him on for win trophies, get him pushed towards the top, they go they go into sort of the next level up, up from Eddie Howe in a few years.
0: Yeah, I think this first appointment for the manager coming in will be the most difficult it's almost like you want to be the second person coming in having kind of laid the foundation as you say for success whereas actually they could be right in the thick of a relegation dogfight when he you know when he's allowed that time to strengthen in january which undoubtedly they will strengthen um i again think JWP's is going nowhere just to kind of circle back on on, on that rumor. I think Newcastle's um, yeah.
1: first, I think Howell's first few fixtures are quite kind. I think they played Brentford, who drop dropping, dropping a bit, and then maybe Norwich and Burnley in his first few fixtures. So mm. there could be scope there for pick picking up a few points. And yeah, Wool well, Prowse, I mean, if Newcastle would <coughs> really want him, I mean, the guy just on the new five-year contract and is now our highest-paid player, they'd have to pay him. I mean, I've, I've an ast- astronomical amount of money. I, if I said to someone that I know, I'd be like, "Oh, you, you can't you have to pay north of eighty million pounds to change the ball They'd be like, "Oh, yeah, that's, that's nonsense." But it's not because it's always the fact of he's there, that player's worth that much money to the club. It's not. Yes. Oh, that player's worth that player's not worth that much. They are two things. It's like the same with Palace and Zaha and West Ham and Declan Rice. Declan Rice is like, oh, not worth hundred million pounds, but he is the West Ham.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And he probably is getting close. He probably up. is now. It's really <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, he's just kicking on. Uh, yeah. No end this season. Yeah, no, it's very fair. Um, and I also think, like, I don't know, JWP, to us, does such a good job for us and his club captain, sort of a mm, bit of a legend. But, like, actually, if they want to kind of dramatically improve their situation in the short term, I don't think he's the sort of player that actually kind of strategically makes a lot of sense <laughs> to sign like yeah. you you probably need you know uh, an outstanding center half you know uh, attacking players I don't know I just feel like he's probably not the sort of player that you really need in 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 their situation right now um, he has uh, withdrawn from the England squad I don't know if you saw that Sammy through through illness I think and Tino's also pulled out through through injury I'm assuming this might just be a bit of fatigue he's 18 he's played I, I think he's played pretty much every single minute of Premier League action bar the Etihad and he got brought off 10-15 minutes from the end so that kind of makes sense I don't think there's much more in it in terms of a you know an actual substantial injury is there?
1: Yeah, I mean fingers crossed. I didn't really notice anything on Friday night, it's just a bit of precaution for livermento. And, and then all prowess, you wonder whether it we like, hear this 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 time uh, in this day and age you hear the word illness for someone you think you think COVID, but fingers crossed it's not, and also at least it's a good amount of time now before our next game, but hopefully all prowess to recover.
0: Yeah, fair. Some weird sort of injuries going around there. I saw that Mason Mounts had a wisdom tooth removed and was really ill because it was infected. Andreas Christensen of, of Chelsea's also had some dental work done and missed a game recently due to that. Just some sort of bizarre bits going on. Ben White I saw was ill the other day but came back. He came off ill I think when he they played. Ill, yeah, yeah played the League Cup. There's sort of some some weird stuff going on. Um, Samuel, been great to chat. We've um we've not done this. Off the back, I don't think immediately of a win. I think we did a pod just when we drew uh, after um, the Burnley and Leeds fixtures, which is very nice. Talking of winning, our B team seems to have sorted themselves out. So we are now four from four uh, in terms of, yeah, winning pretty comfortably our last four league games. Uh, four clean sheets in there as well. Um, and people like um, Dinal Simeou, who we signed from Chelsea in the summer. Thierry Small, who we signed for Everton. And also, I think Nathan Teller's got some minutes as well um, for, for the B team alongside people like Smallbones. So, yeah, pretty positive place to be. I think our under-18s won really comfortably at the weekend. Our women's team won well as well. So, all in all, we're heading into this international break in a yeah pretty positive place, I think.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's always... Always positive to get, get a few wins around the club. And obviously, the B2 have struggled a fair bit this season, but it seems with they're getting a few players, and obviously Smallbone coming back from injury now. and I think, I think I've think i read that Teller requested to play in the, um,
0: yeah. you know, the 23,
1: which I think is quite positive because obviously he's not had the, the chance he probably would have liked in the first team this season. But through, through obviously selection and maybe, maybe some form of other players have sort of prevented him from getting in. So it's quite nice that he just wants to get in and play. Some extra minutes.
0: Yeah. I think actually that game that game came the day after we had beaten Watford and I saw the highlights. And just sort of again, this makes me feel so positively towards the guy. One of the main voices I could hear throughout the highlights was Ralph. (laughs) He was there the following day after you know we won at Vicarage Road watching our B team. You know, shouting at the B team in terms of very yeah, encouraging stuff, given I was watching the highlights, which was mainly goals. Um, but yeah, just uh, I think when you think about the standing this guy should have with Saints fans and the effort he's clearly putting in, and another reason why I don't think he's going anywhere, and I hope those aren't famous last words. Uh, yeah, I think that's another cause for celebration.
1: Yeah, definitely.